Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Father, we bless you for um, this morning. We thank you for, you take pleasure in us. You take absolute delight in us because of Christ Jesus. We pray that as we've sung, that you will show us Christ. You will show us clearly, vividly. You will show us that we might also take delight in him, praising you through him. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Good morning, everyone. Okay, so <clears throat> we started transition series about um, two weeks ago. So it was the idea was the year is ending, and we are 2017 was ending, and we are moving into a new year, 2018. So how do we how do we end the year? Not not particularly in grand style, but how do we end the year? And if you want to, if you want to insist, how do we end the year in a gospel-centered way? You know, kind of stuff. <laughs> and how do we move on to a new year? You know, well, with Femi shared with us how we could be focused. You know, and mentioned some four Ds. You know, there's a destination that we're headed towards. There is we need to be determined. We need to be dedicated. And there is also what you call referred to as designation. And last week, Yemi went on to tell us the need for a mindful art. You know, using the story of the ten lepers. You know, ten lepers who who are who are healed by Jesus Christ, and then only one returned to Jesus to thank Him. You know, Yemi showed us that it is it is better for us to have leprosy, you know, than for us to have ungrateful hearts. That was what Yemi was trying to tell us, you know, about the past. So we started. So today we conclude transition series, and um, I'm titled this one "Future Thanks" because as Yemi tried to show us why we need to be grateful for the past. My objective here today is to show us why we need to be thankful for the future. So I'll tell you these future things. So the new year is still, the year is still new and fresh. Um, like some of my friends used to say when I was in school, I'm sure it's still particular, even for us in the city, just in the new year, we are still in the week of, we call it in Yoruba, you know, like the week of arrogance where, <laughs> this is the week where, you know, you are sitting with your Bible every day, it's ticking it on you version. Day one, day two, day three, day 14. It seems to be making sense. You know, it's the, you are still at a time where you are still eating your gym goals. You know, making new year. My year, my goal this year is to take up 20 kilograms. I have to go to the gym morning and night. You know, everything just making sense for you. You and your wife, you're having those talk at night. This, we're going to be praying this year. <laughs> we're praying together this year. It is the secret to good marriage. So you, in the morning, you guys have the time, you pray. <laughs> and in the night, you don't miss it. So this is the year. It's still going on fine. 14, just 14 days. <laughs> I remember last year, you know, me, and, me and somebody, a good friend of mine in this church, and a couple of others decided to read the Bible in one year. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> we decided to read the Bible in one year. We're going at it. How can we be Christians for all these years? And we've not finished the Bible. Ah, uh-uh, no, 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 it doesn't speak well of us. So we just started, we had this 
the plan, everything. I printed some plans. I shared it with my friend. I'm not going to mention her name. <laughs> <laughs> so the person was giggling the loudest in one corner of the church. You know, and there's another couple of people. So we just started uh, all nice. So we started. Some people started getting envious of us. I mean, this was spiritual. I want to join them in. And so they joined us, you know. <laughs> but we took it on. I think we went for like a few months or so, you know. Well, the first thing that happened is, ah, you know, I've been busy for the, I've not, where are you now? I say, ah, well, I've not done this thing for like, <laughs> I've not like three days, so I say, ah, we can still catch up, we'll catch up in the weekend, we'll catch up. You do your catch up that we're getting it for that week, you find out. When you now miss like seven days, you just say like, what is even there? This is legalism, this is legalism. This is legalism. <laughs> <laughs> who said that? <laughs> who said that you have to finish the Bible in one year? I beg, I beg. I will just take a book and just study. I face it. I listen to sermons. I come back home. You know, I just. I, it's, it's about what you practice. What you, how you live the life. It's not this Bible reading. I mean, I'll move on. So it goes like that. So I see that week. I, I pray that God will encourage us this year. This is our year of focus. <laughs> okay. So let's look at the text today. So I've said that my objective here. Today is to show us why we need to be grateful for the future, right? And we find here in this text, but before we go on to future things, because the, this anchor of this text is actually, you find it in that verse, um, the verse where we spend most time today, you find it in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is the anchor. Future things. That is what we're going to you know, spend much time on. But before we go on, let's, let's look at how, how this text started. The, 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 the passage that Jomoke read to us. He said, The 72 returned with joy. The 72 returned, returned. When you start this chapter, chapter 10 from verse 1, you see that Jesus sent the 72 or the 70, as some might say, He sent them on a mission. He said, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. He sent them, he said, by tools. He said, okay, go into a house, you know, bring healing. If nobody accepts you, dust your sandals or your feet and move on. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever accepts into his house, accepted peace, whoever rejects you, he said, the kingdom is near. He gave them this mission. And he told them they should go. He sent them as, as sheep among wolves. So it wasn't just an ordinary journey. It, was, it wasn't just an ordinary mission. The mission is going to require a lot from them, but the mission is going to be grave. The mission is going to be dangerous. The mission is going to take... It's going to, unexpected events will happen. You know, things will happen to them that they never thought, they never planned, that they would, they would, they would, they would just, they, they, need, they need so much going for this. And he empowered them, he commissioned them to go. So they went. So in 17, we find that the 72 now returned. Having gone on this mission, they returned to Jesus and said, we've come back, you sent us well. You know, like you, we've gone, I don't know how you started 2017, but you, you went into the year, you know, at the beginning of the year, like I started to mention, you had plans, you had great ambitions, you had goals and dreams at the start. And you went through January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, you know, down to December. That was, that is some kind of mission you've gone on in the past year. Like disciples, like disciples that went and they returned to Jesus. See, 2017 for many of us, even on a global, on a social scale, we know how grave the year was. We know the events that happened. You know, if you, even if you don't start taking from the beginning of the year, you know the things that happened towards the end of the year. You know the events that happened, the old human trafficking case, we know how our government did, we know all the things that happened in your life personally. 
Just think of all the things that you never expected to happen to you that happened to you. Think of how well you thought of the year would be, the great dreams and goals and ambitions that you had, the plans you made, the targets you set, that you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Think of all the things that came in your way. And we see your things that came like wolves. You've set out into your innocent you, good you, your own family, you attend church, you read the Bible, you're a Christian, you maintain fellowship with God, but look at all the things you face. Look at all the plans on the goal. Look at the prayers you prayed that, that were not even answered. Several things happened to us in the last year. But then disciples say, if you want to say, the 72 returned with joy. See, like the lepers, 10 lepers came to Jesus. Like, you yeah, me try to show us last week. 10 lepers came to Jesus. Lepr leprosy, eating them, drying them up. And he healed the 10 of them. And then only one came back. And Jesus was asking, he said, why did not 10 that were healed? How come is one that's returned? But mark, mark this. It says that this guy came, if you, if you remember how Yemi read to us last week, this guy came rejoicing, praising God. Like these same disciples, disciples are saying, Lord, they return with joy, and are saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You see, when Jesus commissioned the disciples, he never told them that demons would submit to them. When Jesus commissioned the disciples, he only told them they are going to heal, they are going to preach the word, they are going to... Do, all kinds of people accept it. He never mentioned in the commission that demons were going to submit to them. And so you will see that when disciples returned, when he said they returned with joy, they were so glad, they were thankful, they were happy, they were appreciative because more than what they imagined, more than what they expected, more than what they wanted had happened to them, more than was bargained, more than was promised that happened to them. You see, even the demons submit to us in your name. We never expected it. So I know you are quick to think of all the goals and ambitions that you set that didn't come true, that didn't come to pass. But what about all the things you, you set, all the things that you didn't set, the goals that you didn't set, the target that you didn't set that you achieved? I know you didn't lose 20 kg. You didn't lose 20 kg. But what about maybe the promo, <laughs> the, 20, the, 20, the 20 k that came into your account unexpected? I know that. We had plans, and you say, this year I'm going to finish my Bible reading plan. You set out for that. You didn't finish that. But what about the friends you gained in GC? What about the things, how you grew in the gospel, in gospel love, in gospel joy? What about it, how you were able to walk together with your GC to do justice initiative? How you walked together with your GC, you visited this family, you, you gave to the need of this brother, you gave to the need of this sister. How God provided for you to do such, such things? Have you returned with joy? Do you return with joy, with gladness, with that same happy, with that same happiness? We need to be thankful for the ones that we set that we achieved. We need to be thankful for all the goals, the plans that we set that we achieved. But we also need to be thankful, like disciples, for the ones that we didn't plan, that we didn't think of, that we didn't expect, that God blessed us with, that God gave to us. But look at the joy. And something I want us to be mindful of. Is it they return with joy and said? There's a difference between. Gratitude and thanksgiving. And our emphasis in this series, or in, from last week and this week, is thanksgiving. Is it gratitude? Is what you feel in your heart. You are grateful for it, you feel it in your heart. But thanksgiving is what you do, it's how you express it. You know, it's easy for some of us to be so spiritual and intellectual. I, I thank God, I'm a grateful person. I know all these things that I've achieved and I've done, 
It's not, it's not me. It's God that did it for me. I know. I know. But the disciples returned with joy and said, you see, when Yemi read to us about the lepers last week, he said, the lepers, look what they did. When the lepers came to Jesus, they cried out to the Lord loud voice that he'd heal us. Heal us. They cried out to the loud voice. Nine left, but one returned. When one returned, he said, this one that returned, returned with a loud voice praising God. You see, it's easy for us to kneel down and commit plans to God and tell God to do this for me and do this for me and you can fast for 10 days and you can fast for 20 days, you can pray all night and all hours because the thing has not come. But how many of us praise God or thank God this, with the same vigor, with the same, with the same energy, with the same time, with the same kind of desire with which you asked him for it? The disciples returned with joy and said, you see, if you've not expressed, if you've not if you've not verbally, if you've not expressed it to God, show him, praising him and thanking him verbally, actively. We are not sure that you are grateful. We are not sure that you are really thankful. The 72 returned with joy and said, Are you thankful that you are still a Christian? You know, I know all the great plans, spiritual plans and goals, emotional family that you said and met, the ones you didn't say that you met. What about things we, are, we can easily overlook, the things that we can easily push to one side? You know, that you're still a Christian, that God kept you throughout the year, that you, you've, not, you've, not, you've not gone back, you've not renounced the faith, that you've not left him. Or you thank him that you're part of a church where you hear the gospel preached to you Sunday after Sunday, in gospel communities, in theology day. It's such a gift and great privilege. Many, many parts of, this, of, the, of the world do not have such great such gifts. They scramble. They hide. They cover their faces. They wait for the, the night to fall. They enter into huts. And they, they, they can't even express their thanksgiving with loud voices. Because they may be caught. Because they can be imprisoned. They can be arrested. They can be killed. Do we return with joy? See, they, they, they are, they're just so many reasons. I'll just give an example. You know, Martin Henry, if you know Martin, Martin Henry is... Some guy who wrote, um, he's such a spiritual guy, he's such a fervent spiritual guy in, I don't know if it's 16th or 17th century, but he wrote this um, full commentary on the old Bible. You know, great guy. That commentary that he wrote on the Bible, do you know that was personal devotion for him and his family? He was just writing like devotion that him and his family are going to use. You know, that, that's, what, that's what we used to use before, that's what pastors and preachers used to use before they came with all, these, all of these series and all. Like just personal devotion for his family, but that's by the side. Matthew Henry was once robbed while he was traveling. His wallet was taken away from him. That was all the money he had. That was the money he was going to spend where he was going. Like, everything was taken from him. But then he wrote in his journal, like in his journal, he had reasons. He had four reasons to thank God for. Just in that particular condition, just in that thing that happened to him, just in that thing. And see what Matthew Henry said. Matthew Henry said, I thank God because... The guy never robbed me before. I thank God. Give glory to God. <laughs> Martinari said, I thank God because he took my purse, but he didn't take my life. Martinari said, I thank God because he took everything I had, but it was not much. <laughs> Wait for the last one. Martinari said, I thank God because I was the one that was robbed. It was not me that robbed. 
See, there, there, there are just too many reasons for us to thank God. That is just one particular scenario in a man's life. Think of the plethora of reasons, of things that happened to you in the past year that you need to be grateful for. In day 7, two disciples returned with joy and said, you remember David, when David collected, when he retrieved the ark of the Lord from Abedidom, Abedidom had been thriving with the ark of God in his house. I said, ah, how can this man be, you know, this ark, this man only just enjoying and flexing his whole land, you know, they retrieved it, and then you are singing praise, you know, and just walking, and you see, after they took seven, six steps, the Bible in Second Samuel 13, after they took six steps, they would slaughter the calf and the lamb, and he just keep going. You see, David praised God actively. He praised God. He danced. He shouted. He was, he was so active in praising God and thanking God for this that's happened to him, this, this great thing. He praised God to the point, he said, in front of all the maids, in front of all the people around him, he was not, he was not shy. He was not composed. He was not too fresh. He was not, too, he was not saying, he was not saying, you know, why, why do we don't have to, we don't have to clap in church? Why do, why do we have to, you know, just praise God from your heart? Is the art of worship that matters. It's, he praised God to the point where his overgarment fell. He praised God to the point where his wife mocked him. And caused him and said, why, why? Look at you, a king. How can you, why, how can you be disgracing yourself in front of all these people? But David's response is very particular. You see, the way the disciples returned to Jesus, because you know, it was Jesus that commissioned them. It was Jesus that gave them this power. It was Jesus that gave them this victory. Because he said, you see, for the demons submit to us in your name, they know it was Jesus that commissioned and gave them the power. David also said to them, he said, see, I rejoice. I'm dancing like this. I'm thanking God like this actively and vigorously and with all my might, all my power. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I do not care of the person beside me. I'm not ashamed of how my neighbor can hear me in the middle of the night just thanking God. I'm, I'm not ashamed of all this. I don't care. You see, because it is, my, it is God that has placed me as king in this land over your father. It is God that has placed me. The same way the disciples knew that it was Jesus that empowered them and commissioned them. The same way David knew it was God. So when you don't find yourself thanking God or praising God, you need to check. Do you, you really realize whose power? Do you really realize who has blessed you with all these gifts, with all this goodness in the past year? Do you really think it's God? Or have you not started to think that it's by your power? Have you not started to think it's because you work hard? Have you not started to think it's because you are focused? Have you not started to think it's because you know how to do things well? But there's something about dwelling on the past. There's something about, you know, giving thanks. So there's, 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 a, there's a way in which the past, you know, dwelling on the past can, can hold us hostage, you know, can, can make us... Like, like I said, it, it can hold us. It, it, there's, there's a way we can dwell on the past that it can become grave to us and grave upon our hearts. You see, there's a way that submits to us. The us can become more emphasized than your name. We begin to be filled with pride. We begin to be filled with this, this belief in our ownership and our power, in our ability to you know, capitalize and work on stuff. We begin to say we're exalted. You know, we, we, we begin to, it, be, it becomes so hard for us to be like Samson, you know, after, after killing and say, but what do? Samson, it would not let people know that you had, had killed lions or you had killed them with the, with, the, with the jaw of an ass. Or like Jesus, who will heal people, who will do all kinds of work, who sent out several kinds of demons from people's life. And we say, please, don't mention it to anybody. Don't mention it to anybody. You see, it gets to the point when we dwell so much on our past, and we can only look back 
and keep thanking God for what happened in the past, that it begins to result to some kind of pride in our heart. We begin to hold ourselves accountable. We begin to think that we are the ones that are responsible. We are the ones that have done this by our power, by our own strength. You see, when we dwell so much in the past, you see, the past, success in the, success in the past, success in, in the past is not always an evidence that the grace of God is in our lives. You see, in Matthew 7, we see that some people came to God, 21 23. They came to Jesus, or he said, many will come to me in the last day. And they will say, Lord, Lord, in your name we've cast out demons. In your name we've healed the sick. In your name I did this. I prayed to you, I answered me, and this thing came. This contract came. I prayed to you, and this thing happened. I did this, and this thing came. And what would Jesus reply to them? Jesus would say, you see, depart from me, for I never knew you, for your workers of iniquity. We cannot dwell too much in the past. Or you begin to compare yourself to others and say, I am better than them. Or I, I work harder. I'm more, I'm more dutiful. You know, I'm, I'm more dutiful. If you look in the last chapter, in Luke 9, you see, they brought a, they brought a demon. They brought, they brought a child that was filled with demons to the disciples. These were the 12 disciples, and he brought it to them. And they told them to cast it out. But disciples could not until Jesus came and rescued them. But in, we find now found the 70 we seem to be somewhat inferior. We're not, we not as special as these 12. We now find them casting out demons effortlessly. We find them casting out demons, you know, just with ease. They were so thankful. They were so rejoiced. They were so glad that they came to Jesus and said, we cast it out. Would it not be foolish or would it be wise for us to assume that these 70 now, you know, more spiritually gifted or these 70 were more powerful than the 12 who could not? These are the twelve that waited with Jesus today. And these were the seventy. We knew many of them went back later on. The fact that many good things happened to you in the past, the fact that you're able to succeed in different, the fact that you are gifted and God blessed you to do different things in the past year, it is not a guarantee of God's grace. You see, more importantly, I want us to see that what if today, what if in this year, what if, what if when? You are not succeeding at all. What if, because, you see, this kind of joy that we get, this kind of rejoicing in what God has done in the past or what God has done before now, what if when you don't see things happening in your life? What if things are not happening to you? What if you're not achieving success? What if your goals are not being met? What if you're not now meeting those targets? What if those things are not happening to you? Where would you get your joy from? How would you find happiness? Because if you've based it on things that have happened to you, if you base it on things that happened in the past, then you don't have anything to spur. You don't have anything to, to, to inspire praise and thanksgiving. Or what would you do in the face of tribulation, of temptation, of trials? Or what would you do in the face of death? The joy, the thanksgiving that springs up from the joy in the past does not have so much power. Does not have enough power. It's not enough. It's good, however good, however pleasant. As much as we need to do it, it cannot be the only kind of thanks that we give. And that brings us to my next point. A future thanks. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay the victories that we had in the past year. I'm not trying to downplay all of the things that we achieved in the past year. They are real. In fact, they are. They are, they are great. They are normal. We should thank God for them. There are reasons to give thanks to God. You see in verse, in verse 18, when the disciples came to Jesus, after they mentioned that, you must submit to us in your name. 
Jesus replied, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. If you read another version, you say, <clears throat> like CSB will tell you, you say, look, 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 look. Those things that you, you see, they are normal. You see, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority over, over, I've given you authority over snakes, over scorpions, over principalities, over powers. I've given you this. It should happen. It should, it should be bound. Good things should happen to you. Great things should happen to you. You should succeed. You should, you should use your gifts to serve other people in church. The church should grow. The, the, we should have more people being saved. We have more people added to the church. People should grow in gospel love and in gospel joy and gospel communities. Why? Because it's, it's normal. Satan has fallen as lightning from heaven. But I want us to quickly take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, he, he, said, he replied, I saw Satan. He said, I feel this is some kind of response to those who, who, who have started to think, or who have started to proclaim, you know, that they don't really believe in demons. They don't really believe in, in, uh, in Satan. They don't believe in you know, all these witches and principalities and powers. You know, for those people in primitive times, for those people in traditional cultures, they don't really exist. They don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't deal with those stuff. Jesus said, I saw Satan. I saw Satan. He's real. The work of the enemies. You see, in, in, others, in, in, new, in other scriptures, especially in letters, we find, we find Paul saying, in fact, creating some kind of hierarchy, some kind of structure for them. He says, see, there are principalities and powers, there are spiritual wickedness in high places. He called them God of this age, the prince of the air, the prince of the world. Like, it's such a structured organization. They don't need a strategy. Like they know what they organize. They've achieved so much success in the world. You see, when you, it's easy to see. You see, when you see any unbeliever, when you see corruption in society, when you see people killing one another for, for no reason, war and all that, that is the work of the devil. It is not limited to the work of ancestral spirits in our, 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 our village, or as you like to tamper it down, as real as that is. But it's also evident in every evil work, everything you see in this world. I say, how can a human being in their own right mind sell another human being? I saw Satan. Jesus is saying, I saw Satan. Let us read the scripture to emphasize this well. Luke 11, verse 14 to 22. Luke 11, 14 to 22. I want to show us this before. <clears throat> Luke 11, 14 22. Are you there? Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Bezebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and the house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by baseball. Now, if I drive out demons by baseball, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted 
and divides up his plunder. Jesus is saying, see, when you see demons cast out, when you see great things happen in your life as a Christian, you see the growth of God's grace in your church. He says, see, demons, Satan is falling as lightning. He said, the kingdom of Christ has come and Satan has fallen as a result. That is why you see all the good works that you see in your life. You see, without Satan falling from heaven as lightning, then there can be no reason, there can be no basis for thanks. There can be no basis for joy in heart because Satan, as, we, as Jesus calls him, the prince of the earth, the prince of the world, has animal's power in this world. But because Jesus sees him falling, we have cause to give thanks. We have cause to praise. You see, the miracles of the Lord, when Lazarus was raised, when Peter preached, to 3,000 and they were converted. Is when Saul was converted. Is when Jesus died and was raised. And he came to love our prayer disciples. See, Satan was falling. You see, when, when, when Augustine was converted, when Wesley, when Spurgeon, when Ajayi Crowder inter- translated the Bible, is when Christianity first came into these parts of the world, that Satan was falling. When you were born again, when you gave your life to Christ, however it was, you walked towards the altar and gave your life to Christ, or you sat down or knelt down in your room and gave your life to Christ, Satan was falling. When you pray in Jesus' name and you see the result and the answers come to you, Satan is falling. I know that some evil that happens, what is sort of falling world can be because I was not walking. You see, but. It is not given to us to know when Satan is walking or when it's the falling world that is walking or when it is me that is walking. It is not always given to us. But we have further reasons to thank God. You see, when we keep reading, it said, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Do we not still find perils in our lives? Do we not still find tribulations? and diverse kinds of temptations in us. Do we not see, see the world is not as it ought to be? For Satan still works in our world. He works around us. The demons and principalities are still active in our time. We see all the evil that we read of in the news, or the ones that we see in our hearts. When you stand before God and you look, uh, and you, you, you read a psalm or you pray, and then you begin to see the evil, the evil that is in you, how bad you are. Many of them are the work of the devil. Many of them are the work of, this, of the devil who ensnares the people. He said, be sober and vigilant, for the devil is prowling like a wounded lion looking for home to devour. It is the devil sometimes in our still working, it's still active, it's still powerful. Though he has been constrained, though he has been restrained, though he does not have total dominion over us, but he's still active, walking, seeking ways to ensnare us and to take us from the Lord's hands. Would you not remember how the scriptures say, that how, how have you allowed Satan to ensnare? You see, how has Satan so filled your heart and Ananias? When Ananias went to sell land, Ananias and his wife sold the land and did not bring the full price to, Jesus, to, to the disciples. What did Peter say to him? He said, how has Satan so filled your heart and Ananias? When Judas was to go betray Jesus, what did we see? He said, Satan entered into Judas. He's active. Satan is active in the world. Though restrained, his power is the evidence. Or when the woman was delivered from Jesus, he said, for this woman was bound, by, was bound for 18 years. He said, thou daughter of Abraham, you've been bound by Satan for 18 years. The devil has power to take life. 
He took the lives of the children of Job. The devil has power to cause natural disasters. He caused it on the children of Job. The devil can ruin our health, as he did to this woman. The devil can do worse things. He said, for the gods of this world has blinded their eyes that they may not be able to behold the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. He said, for the gods of this world ensnared them so that they will not give themselves to the gospel. What about when Paul was to go preach the gospel? And he said, for the adversary blocked our way. So don't think you are so learned in scripture. Don't think that you are so spiritual or you're so victorious in Christ that the devil ceases to exist. For our demonology, whatever it is, our understanding of demons must be based on our understanding of scripture, of theology. The devil is real. And this is where we begin to find the grounds for future things. If we experience victory in the world today, all the victories, all the successes that we have is as a result of the devil being trampled or being constrained. But then we still see the devil active in the world in some other ways. There is still a lot that needs to be done. That is why Romans 16, 20 says, See, for, the God, for God will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul was speaking to the Romans at the end of his letter, telling them to look forward to a time that is to come. When Satan will be fully crushed, when the work of Satan will be totally ended and he will have no power at all over the people of God. This is where we want to begin to source joy from. This is where we want to begin to source genuine things from. And that's why Jesus said in verse 20, he said, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, the tendency for us is to say, so a year has gone, 2017 has gone, I rejoiced that God has done all these great things for me. So what is left for me to do is to focus. So I just focus on this 2018. What are my goals? What are my plans? What are my dreams? I just write it down. I say, how am I, going to, how am I going to attack them? How am I going to do them well? You know, how am I going to face them? How am I just going to kill it this year and meet my goals? No, no, no. We find a scripture. Wait, wait a minute. That may not be so Christian to do. That may not be the order to go. Rejoice and you focus. We tend to do that. But you see what he say? You rejoice on the past. Yeah, you just want to focus on the future. And he says, see, you rejoice in the past. There's a cause for you to also rejoice in the future, in something that is to come. In before you begin to, as you focus, as you plan, as you do stuff, you know, that, that, is, that, is, that is not, it's not something, you, it's not you just rejoice in the past and you focus on the future. You say you rejoice in the past. You also want to rejoice in the future. You say rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Or the tendency is for us to find joy in past victories and find joy in future plan. You know, as you thank God for the things that happen, you also want to thank God, you know, I, I know that if this thing just click like this, you know, if my child is able to just, just finish this stuff, you know, once I'm able to get this guy to propose to me, once I'm able to, you know, this year, this is my year, this is my year, I know it, and you're happy. And you just thank God in prayer. I thank you, Father, because it's my year. I'll do it like this. Like, even if he doesn't propose to me, I'll buy him the ring. <laughs> It's faith. It's faith. You claim it. So you thank God. That is the cause. That is what gives you joy. The future plans that are coming. Yeah, you thank God for the past. But then you are also deriving joy from the things that are yet to happen. No, 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 no. Jesus said no. He said rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. 
The guy may not propose. The guy may even break up with you. Yeah, you, you may not, it's not like you, you may not lose to any kg. You might even fall sick and hard a whole lot. Or maybe you get pregnant. <laughs> and maybe the contract will fall through the cracks and it will not happen. So your joy must come from something stable, from something strong, from something that is real, from something that is permanent, from something that is secure, from something that cannot be touched, something that cannot be stolen, something that cannot be MMM'd. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Is what, what does it even mean? What does written names in heaven? What, what does it mean? Is it written? It, it, it starts to give us an impression of some sense of permanency, something that, something that is written, not in, not, in, not in crayon or in pencil. Something that cannot be erased, something that is permanently written. Some, some sense of a contract, of a will. Something without our own inputs is written. Without you, you they need... We don't need your pen. Written names in heaven. If you think of it as, as some kind of will or some kind of contract, it gives us access. You see, it means that we belong to God. It means that we have now become God's own. It means that where God is, we will be. It means that as God is, or as Christ is, when we sing, we'll be like, you see, he's talking about something that is sure and definite, something that, is, something that cannot be moved, something that that nothing can prevent it from happening. Written names in heaven. But in that sense of what we get of these written names in heaven, what would it mean? What, what can it mean? How, how is it surer than all the goals and plans that I've set in this year that I'm saying that it may not happen? Don't, don't be speaking bad words to me. I've prophesied, I've, I've made confessions. I have a better promise. There's something greater for you. But let's look at this. Let's even think at this. See, written in heaven, does it, when I begin to look at it, it started to give me some sense of, of some kind of written names. Now it looks like a roll, like a register, or like a, like a list of stuff where our names are on. And you know what lists are, right? You, you, you subscribe to some lists. Or you, you, um, you have this where your names are. Maybe your NEPA subscription or your DSTV subscription. You know, those things. So we don't finish. Or you have NEP, um, maybe school register. Your children are in school. You're no longer in school. Or doctor, you have a card. Like when you go to hospital to register, you have a doctor's card or church membership list. Or electoral register or list or something. It gives us a sense of that kind of list. It also gives us a sense of whatever. Do we have things in this world that our names are written upon? You know, do you go to your room or go to your private store or go to maybe that? I don't know where you store these things. You know, all the awards that you received in school. Or the awards you received at work. Worker of the month. Employee of the year. First class graduates. Who is who in finance? 2016. Who is who in tech space? 2015. The, the, um, the guys to look out for in the creative space in 2018. You see, there's something about all this stuff. You see, no matter how, no matter how joyful, no matter how grateful we are for them, you see, these lists, as much as we also to be on them, as much as we strive, we want our names to be there, we want our names to be written there, we want us to be regarded, we want somewhere, we want all these things to, we want our names to be written there. You see, all these lists become obsolete at the end of the day. 
All these lists fade away. These awards, you know, you see, you are the face of this, this year. Well, they don't even wait for you. It's just a year, my lady. Some other person has become the new face. <laughs> oh, you are the employer of this month. You, know, you, can't, you can't keep it up. Next month, someone else. Employer of the month. Someone else gets all the clap and all the appreciation. It is not to say that we should not strive to focus on plan. He's saying that if we base our joy, if we base our happiness on these kinds of things, on these kind of awards, on these kind of plans, they are sure to dry out. They are sure to fail us. They cannot last enough for us. So Jesus is saying, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In heaven. If we look at heaven, what, what exactly can we start to mean by, the, by, this, by this word heaven? In Revelation 21, I want us to quickly see. Revelation 21, I want to show us. Revelation 21 is, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Future thanks. 21, I'll just read from 1 to 4. If you have time later on, you can read from 21 even to the end of 22. In our private time. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the definition of heaven. We've had a theology day, or we've had even when, when the pastor preached on work's future, how we try to show us that heaven is not what many people tend to think it is. You know, a place where we are disembodied, a place where we're just, you know, just swimming and floating in the air, a place where where we're just praising God forever and ever, and the angels are also on the piano. Such a boring stuff. No, we see in this verse 4, he says, heaven is a convergence of where God is and where man will be. He says, he sees heaven coming down. You see, he sees heaven coming down and coming to earth. It means that we will be where God will be. God will be where we are. We'll be in a place together because say all that we think of heaven, of how perfect or how beautiful or how great it is. He says he speaks of it as a city. He says, look at all the things you see in this world. It's not like it's gonna be this world as it is, but God there. It's gonna be this world as it is, renewed, renewed. There will be arts, there'll be culture, there'll be music, there'll be houses, there'll be children, there'll be work, there'll be jobs, there'll be stuff to do, there'll be name it. But only that God will be there. It will be, it will be removed of all the evil. It will be removed of the oppression of the work of the Satan. There will be no temptation. There will be no sin. There will be no affliction. There will be no, there will be no unsatisfied desire. It's going to be a perfect world. There will be no, no capacity, no, no willingness, no desire to inflict evil on your other man. We won't sin. We won't want to sin. We won't want to want to sin. 
The devil will be bound for having no power of its own. It will be living in this world, but with the perfect rulership of God. There will be no locked gates, no need for estates, because there will be no thieves. No one to break in. There will be no need for makeup. No need for makeup, because there will be nothing to make up for. No need for beauty pageantry. No need for gym classes. Because you be the best version of yourself. You see, the, the saying that my wife is the um, most beautiful might actually be true, or my mother. But only that you not be married to her because there's no marriage in resurrection. The best you be is an assistant boyfriend or something. <laughs> because we will not lose all our memories. We we'll still have them. <laughs> there will be no divorce. Love will never end. There will, no, there will be no death. There will be no sickness. There will be no old age. No need to dye your hair. No need for a quick shave of those gray hairs. Who have resurrected bodies. Bodies that cannot feel the, the back pain that comes with increasing decades and years. No cancer. No loss of your loved one. The one you mourned. The one you long to see. In fact, you. We will meet all of our friends that we've lost in the past year. We will meet them. We will live with them. We will remember them. We will see them in a world like this, perfect, devoid of sin. Our best days at work today, the best days that we have at work today, those best those days, I was, on, I was on fire today. Man, I just keep that presentation, man. The, the negotiation just went well. What I designed, the way it came, I just knew that I was on fire, fire. Your best days at work today will be every day in the life that is to come. That is how every day will be. You, you know the retreats that you go for. The retreats we go for, we just go and chill, everybody just bonding, everything just flowing well and making sense, everybody just love each other, you love your boss, you love your colleague. <laughs> <laughs> you love everybody, everything is just sweet, plenty of food, don't worry, you can deliver it next, you can resume, don't, don't sleep, don't sleep well, I just want you guys to just sleep and all, and rest until you work well and you're producing on top of your game. That is how every day will be. That is how our work will be. Without stress, without toil, without pain. You know the desire you have of coming home to meet your kids. You're just waiting to see your child run up to you with open arms and screaming, Daddy, or oh, when my dad is to come home when we're still young. Now the guy's the guy's old. And I just we just wait for him to whistle. You know, just hear whistling from afar, like some meters away. We know daddy's back and we run to him and he's so happy for us to come grab him and pick his load. You're going to have that desire. That desire will be fully satisfied and it will never leave. Of coming home, that joy that you have. You see, even the one that you have of leaving home because you are tired and stressed, because you want to see new places, you want to explore the world, you want to have holidays and vacation and enjoy and just see new things and see flex, you would have that same desire mixed into one. Coming home, new places, and it will never cease. We will not lose the desire to pursue something because when we pursue it and we get it, when we get it, we lose the joy. You see, we will have pursuit, the desire of pursuit, and desire of possession will be one. It will be one. It will be together. We will not lose. There will be no need for iOS updates. There will be no need for you to update anything because everything will be new. Everything will be as perfect as it should be. Wouldn't you rejoice that your names are written in heaven? For Satan is falling from heaven, but God is in heaven where we will also be. There's no Satan. There is no temptation or affliction. How can you compare what you have 
Now, how can you compare your future plans? How can you compare your past victories to this great joy that Jesus speaks of? How is this possible? It's in Revelations 21. It says that that our names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because we know that a lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So that our name can be written in his book. Because we know that someone who does not have any understanding of time, and does not live in the past, in the present, or in the future, broke into time, broke into past, broke into present, broke into our time, so that we can come with him into that same space and time that is in. Because we've put our trust in the name that is given. Our names are written in heaven. That name above all names that is given for men to be saved. We put our trust in it. Our names are written in heaven. We are sure. For Jesus lost his sense of permanence on the cross. That everlasting, eternal relationship that he had with the Father. He seemed to lose it on the cross where he cried, ah, he cried, why, 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 why have thou forsaken me, Father? So that we will have, we will be able to experience this show, these written names that are permanently written in heaven forever. Wouldn't you rejoice? Wouldn't you give thanks for this thing that is to happen? This is a ground for joy. This is a ground for us to be thankful. This is a ground, this is the ground for us to rejoice. For many of our plans this year, we fail. Many of our goals and our targets we will not meet. Some of our friends, you might even lose good friends. You might lose family. You might lose loved ones. Or some people might fall sick. You can't be too sure of your plans. So are you telling me that um, I should just be looking forward to the future and giving thanks for all that is to come, that is not here. It has no relevance on the life that now is. It has no life. So how will I live throughout this year? So I just be looking forward to the future. I just be looking forward to the future. Just thank God for the future. What, what is it that? How am I going to spend tomorrow? How am I going to spend next week? How am I going to spend the remainder of this year? Just look at verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit at that time. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He's giving praise to God, who is not just so mindful of heaven, but is also mindful of earth, of where we are now. You see, our past thanks will not have so much value, will not last us if we do not give future thanks. But our present thanks, or how we live in present, will not be well or will not be good enough if it does also tie to the future. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus praises the Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He said, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and has revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. Because we are sure that God has a perfect future for us. We are able we are able to look at the things that we now have, the good things, whether we succeed now today, whether that thing comes true, whether that marriage comes true, whether our relationship works well, you're able to receive your thanks and not be overly moved, not overly find your joy in it because you know this is nothing compared to that that is to come. 
You see, when your days do not work out well this year, when 2018 does not pan out as you want it, it does not pan out as you planned it, does not pan out as how you proposed it, because some of us, some things that even happened last year already that has affected this year, that you know, oh, because of how last year went bad for you, you already know it has affected some of the plans you had this year. You see, even if, if I thank you, you will say, I praise you, Father, you will be able to see. You will cry out to him like a little child when things are not working because you know he's the father that cares for you, that listens to, that has your best interests at heart. You will not be like the wise and the learned who think that it's by their own power, who think it's by their own accomplishment, who think it's by their own ability to plan, to see the future, to strategize, to think things through. I'll work this out. I'll find a way around it. I praise you, Father. That is how you will live in 2018. For he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's sovereign over all things. He's powerful enough over the good and the evil. So I want us to give future thanks. I want us to give thanks for all that God has set for us in the future. I want us to be mindful of the past, as Yemi told us. I want us to be focused on the things that we've set in 2018. I want us to to thank God every day of this month or of this year for the things that will happen and for the things that will come our way. But much more importantly, I want us to keep comparing the goodness that comes to us today, the badness that comes to us today, to the future glory and to the future blessing that God has in store for us. This is what it means to give future thanks. This is what it means to be thankful for the future. Shall we pray? Father, we, we thank you because you um, you have a better plan for us, you have a better hope for us than we can imagine, than we can anticipate. We thank you because our present bedeviling circumstances and challenges are nothing compared to the exceeding great glory that is to come. For though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Oh, why we look not at things that are seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Father, we pray that you help us to set our heart on the things above. We pray, Father, that you cause us to give, give ourselves to delighting on the things that are to come, the permanent, the enduring, the internal blessings that you've afforded us in Christ Jesus. Help us to keep comparing them to the losses, to the pains, to the odds that we have today, to keep comparing them to the blessings that we enjoy today and to keep seeing that none, either of them, is nothing, is nothing, is negligible compared to joy that is to come. Help us to live like this, Father. Giving thanks and praise to you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus Love people Love Lagos